You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 305 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. Well, I'm probably a little bit better off than you at the moment. Stuck in lockdown, but I did get out Mm. this week, which was fantastic. So I did two road trips, which I thoroughly enjoyed uh, as part of legally, of course. Uh, it was just really lovely to get out and about. So, and you, you left the house too, Val. What happened? I did leave the house. Did you went to bed or something? Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to go uh, give my old computer to my mother, and yeah. then I, you know, went to the Apple Store and <clears throat> did a bit of shopping and stuff like that. But um, I think that the day that this podcast episode is released in your state yeah. or where you live, uh, masks will be mandatory mm. um, or, you, or you'll get a fine. Yeah, so 200 bucks. And I'm kind of thinking, up. I'm just actually, I think, and, and um, you know, um, happy to be wrong on this, but I think we're the first place in the world to do that, to, give, to issue fines for people not wearing masks. sure about that i'm pretty sure the guys the, uh, in the, uh, the the philippines oh right yeah probably um the case and maybe in some other places oh, there you but go. yeah, yeah one of the few places already didn't take long it one took a second one of the <laughs> <laughs> one of the few places yes yeah <laughs> so that'll be interesting but uh, you know um i thought about this long and hard because you know how i've got my uniform the blue t-shirt yeah i got a mask yeah. to match i got a blue one. Oh my god <laughs> matches my t-shirt very happy okay you only bought one no i've got three um okay three reusable ones and then i've got like a pack of 50 disposable ones i'm, I'm covered i'm good but i've oh, also yes, got a yes. sewing machine oh yes you should start making them. i can make them i could make a denim one Make some photography ones. I was thinking of that. I was thinking like, you know, photographers that are out there that want to look, you know, um, have a bit of an edge with their masks or or just express themselves. (laughs) I was thinking you could have um, like just a a lens, like an open aperture that looks like your mouth or you could have, (laughs) wouldn't that be cool? Kind of, you don't, might look like a funny. bit like a blow up doll though, but also the no, um, yeah, no. <laughs> also no. It, a retro camera could look cool. Yeah, so yeah, it looks like you got a camera, camera, you know, up up around there, or yeah, there's there's Maybe. there's all sorts of things you can do with. Then uh, people are starting to print stuff on the mask to show their individuality. Yes, yes. Well, where I live, 
they're not um it's not as um locked down as where you are mm. and i've only worn one once actually and that is because i went to the apple store yeah. and they require you to wear one on entry so mm. yeah but anyway that is um the ever changing world that we live in at yes. the moment it'll probably be new news next week oh, but this episode <laughs> Yes. This episode of So You Want to Be a Photographer is the five qualities of light every photographer must know. Um, And I'm very keen to get stuck into that because light just changes everything. It does. Um, Before we move on to our topic this week, we want to give a big shout out to the Honest Ducks. <laughs> You've got to be careful how you say that. You don't want to say the, that too fast. The Honest Ducks, um, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts entitled Love This Podcast with a five-star rating. And the Honest Ducks said, I've been listening for the past month and look forward to learning each morning on my daily walk. Such great tips, and I feel like I'm finally starting to see and understand light Thanks to the easy-to-understand teaching. I've had people, photographers I know, and admire content comment that my photos have suddenly improved. And it's 100% thanks to these Aww. ladies. Ah, I'll be busy catching up on a few years of episodes during ISO. Thanks so much. Oh, brilliant. Wow. That's so cool when you hear that, isn't it, Val? That's Very amazing. Cool. That's made my day. Yes. Thank you, the honest ducks. Yes, thank you so much. And, of course, if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or your particular podcast app, we'd really appreciate it as it helps us in the rankings. Um, so what else has been happening with you, Gina? So, but obviously working with the Goldies this week. So, um, and they're going so, it's like, you know, I love, you just know the moment that something clicks into the place Mm. and the the ones that have been doing the work and doing the work and suddenly they just share their photos and I go, oh my God, blown away. Like just seeing the lighting, the lighting that they're doing. And the other thing I love is it's like, there are people from all different walks of life that are part of the Goldies. So we've got people who just picked up a camera, like, you know, mm. months before, and they've joined the, the Goldies and they're, they're out there now shooting, you know, weddings and family portraits and baby portraits. And then there's, you know, people who are, are, are pros and, and there's people that want to focus on only portraits, some that just want to do headshots. There's people that are doing a product. So, and there's all unique styles. And what I'm really careful and mindful of, Val, is I don't just create mm-hmm. Gina clones, you know, oh, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. like I can sit there and go, yeah, but that subject you really want to be, why don't you all just photograph old people, <laughs> you know, with mm-hmm. dark moody, which which is what I like. And so, you know, that that I, I want to um, encourage everyone to go uh, in the way that they're supposed to shoot because everyone sees and feels and shoots in a unique way that's unique to them. And it's pointless me just directing them into a way that because I particularly like it. So that's what I love. I love how diverse the photography styles are that's out there. And we had a fantastic AMA, um, which we covered uh, lots of different uh, topics. So, you know, love, loving working with these guys. It's so much fun, really. And, of course, an AMA is an Ask Me Anything, which is what the Goldies, as in uh, people who are in our Gold member community, have access to um, when they are part of the membership. And if you would like to find out more about the Gold community, have a listen to this. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. One of the great things about being part of the community is exactly that, the community. The feedback and support you get from fellow members of the Gold Community at ginamilitia.com is invaluable. I asked Natalie Ord about this. What has your experience been with the Gold Community and uh, what advice would you have for any of the uh, listeners who might be thinking about joining? Uh, well, it's been great having all of your uh, tutorials to access, but again, um, some of the work for me, I've got to keep it somewhat confidential and because it's a closed community, I can put it up there and get feedback for people. Yeah. So I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, so that is really helpful because often when you're staring at things for a while, you, you can't see things. You're just having that different perspective. But the, the range of skills that people are in the gold community is fantastic. So, and you learn from everyone regardless of their skill level. Thanks to you and Val and the rest of the community for just being so generous with your time and your knowledge. It really, really is amazing. It's like no other place. So thank you so much. It's uh, a credit to you guys and my work and my uh, growth is attributed to participating in the community. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to genomilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so this week's topic is the five qualities of light every photographer must know. But before we get onto that, I want to give a big shout out to the team who recently revamped and overhauled <clears throat> Gina's website at ginamilitia.com because um, it's a lot easier to navigate now. There's a whole bunch of tutorials that you'll find. It's pretty awesome and a lot of Hard work went on yes. behind the scenes. So, yeah, definitely check it out if you can at GinaMilitia.com. Yeah. Now, where are we going to start, Gina? The five qualities of light every photographer must know. All right. This is a big one and it doesn't matter what level of photography you are. Like, you know, a lot of people think, oh, light, I know light. I'm, you know, I've been doing photography for five, ten years. But even at, like, I'm at the 30-plus year mark now and I'm still discovering stuff about light. Light, if you, it is probably the most, it is, it's the most important thing that you want to understand and it's not It'll surprise you as the way it behaved, but if you can get your head around, even as a beginner, if you can get your head around how daylight behaves, there's nothing that you can't do with photography, and it is really is a game changer. And Val, we have to start with a quote, and it's oh, one of, of my favourite ones. Uh, did you roll your eyes? <laughs> I, I think you did a little bit, didn't you? <laughs> no. Anyway. <laughs> this is one of my favourite uh, quotes about light. So light makes photography. Embrace light, admire it, love it, but above all, know light. Know it for all you are worth and you will know the key to photography. And that is mm. so true. When you understand how daylight works, it makes working with flash so much easier. And, and, and the, yep. Who said the quote? George Eastman. So the okay. Kodak. The, the yeah. founder, yeah, I think. Um, the the thing is that the the luxury of having uh, everything online is there is information galore out there, and when you've got information galore, then it is human nature to skip steps. 
Who wants to worry about the basics of learning daylight when, oh my God, everyone online has got these fancy Godox lights that I can pick up for anything and I can I can copy what that guy did in the shoot that I loved. I can do that exact same thing and all my friends on Facebook are just going to say, you're a legend. <laughs> and this is great and I've done it with all sorts of things that I'm learning myself, you know. I want to, like, instead of learning, you know, what the particular joins you need in woodwork if you're building a table that's like no I just want to go to the good bit everyone just wants to go to the good bit and I'm sure you've experienced this with um stuff you've been learning you know what was your first macrame you want to go straight to you don't want to just learn the knots you Mm. want to learn how to macrame a um I wanted to learn how to do no I wanted to learn how to do a massive macrame art installation that was in the Hilton South Bank. Of course you did, Val, because mm. you looked at that and you went, I've been doing this for five minutes now. That is I the logical next move. I hadn't even move. been doing it for five you minutes. You hadn't even been, but, but that's the logical next step. And, of yeah. course, and, and, and that's what, like, even like um, when, when humans, we look at, uh, you know, recipes and we think, well, why bother with learning how to peel vegetables when I want, I just want to make the, the souffle straight away. Mm. I talk about this all the time because we just want to get there and get there mm. fast. So, and the problem with that is you can, if, you know, someone says, put the light here, set it at this power, put your model here and take a shot and you'll get this, is kind of, it works, but then there's going to be um, occasions when there's going to be a spanner in the works and it's like you're not in the optimum quality location. And and if you want to be a successful photographer, and by success, you can be, a successful photographer means that you uh, create images for you that you love, of your family. You might want to photograph your dogs or your flowers, but by success, I mean that you can have an image in your mind's eye, imagine that, and create it consistently every single time. Or Mm. success means that you turn this into a business no better time than to start a business than now, I think, because you can get all your ducks lined up and then get out there and hit the ground running uh, when, when you know, life goes back to 100% normal. But, you know, success means that you can get consistently great results every single time and there is no, oh, I didn't take that into account, the, the light was funny or I couldn't get the shot. So understanding light and really, really understanding the subtleties of how available natural light works makes it so much easier to use um, to use all different artificial lighting uh, okay. sources. So what we want to understand is the, um, the qualities, uh, the different qualities of light. So, you know, the quality of light, the, the color of light, how light travels, the intensity of light and the direction of light. So I'm going to break all those down uh, in this podcast, and so and you're going to go away with some takeaways that are going to make you think completely differently about how you approach your shoots, and hopefully you're going to get a lot more consistent results. All right. So right. we'll start with uh, the quality of light. So you know, recognizing great light valve it's 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 not something it's like everything it's a muscle that you've got to develop so you know when you learn something new um you see certain things like i'm sure now that you're 
so far into your uh, painting and um, art experience that there was mm-hmm. stuff that maybe you learnt at the start where you, you would look at a painting and see certain things. But now with all the different stuff that you've learnt and been doing, you will see different qualities in that image. Is that right? Like yeah, you now you're, sure. you're starting to you know think about color theory and placement and design and you're you're all across it right but when you first looked at at the painting with a um sort of a beginner's eye it's completely different and that's the same with light so when you look at light with a beginner's eye it's all Mm -hmm. the same it's like light is all the same so you want to understand it so if you want to um, know how to uh, shape and and control the light. You want to understand the different qualities of light. And the first thing that we want to be clear on is that all light is the same. It just comes in different colours and strength. So mm. like the analogy I use is, is like milk. So how many different kinds of milk are there today? Like hundreds because because we've got you know there's milk from a cow you can get milk from a goat you can get milk from um an almond almond. have you seen how tiny an almond's nipples need to be and the little farmer that has to get (laughs) under there on a tiny stool got any idea how tiny they must be same there's there's um macadamia milk there's oat milk there's and and then you've got skim full fat all different um strengths of milk and so that's the same with light so we've got you know you've got hard light soft light uh, a mix between hard and soft and then you know there's different colors of, uh, of of light just like there's different colors of milk so we can break all this down uh, a lot further but at the end of the day it's still milk and light is still light and and when you know and understand this then it means that you can go anywhere with any kind of light and know how that you can manipulate that light to work to your advantage so just like you know as a photographer if you're commissioned to do a shoot you're not always given the luxury to pick the time and you know there are ideal times there are better times than others to do a shoot like you know but sometimes you get midday Mm. when the sun is full and that's the only time we've got to shoot and an amateur a beginner photographer that's less experienced will just try and make the most of that that time of day and not even recognize the problems that they're going to be faced with until they get there they're looking at their images on the computer going oh Mm. I've made a mistake right Mm. but if you're an experienced photographer you know that there are things that there were workarounds that you can use that hard midday sun and create something great out of it so understanding that whilst all light is the same you can you can use it to your advantage just by understanding the different qualities of light. All right, does that make yep. sense so far? Yeah, makes sense. All right, so we've got the different kinds of milk. So <laughs> when you look at light, uh, and again, this is something to the untrained eye you won't even notice, and the other thing is the colour of light is something that we get used to. So when you're looking at a sunset, when you're there in the moment, you don't really notice how warm the light is until maybe you take a photo and then you get it back and you go, wow, it was really, you know, warm, the light. And also, if you're out in early morning light, you might notice that uh, when you take a photo and you get it back and you have a look at your screen, the light is very blue. 
right? So every light has a like a different tint or a color depending on the time of day or the kind of light that it is. And mm. knowing this is going to help you uh, work with the shot and avoid um, some disasters. Like, so you might notice that the fluorescent lighting, which is the probably the ugliest or the best lighting in the world, and it comes down to how you use it. And we say, I always say it's ugly because it's ugly when you've been to a nightclub and you go to the bathroom and look at yourself in the mirror with fluorescent lighting or you're trying on bikinis and the mm. um, the change rooms have fluorescent or t- trying on anything in a change room with fluorescent lighting because it's hideous lighting because what what it's designed to do is be really flat and even and, mm. and it, it doesn't have any warmth or character to it. So it just shows you as you really are. So this like, Great. you know, it's not fun. It's not pretty at all, right? And I've always said if, if um, retailers wanted to increase the number of sales, just provide beautiful lighting in the change room. Mm. You know, it would make a huge difference. So fluoro lighting old-fashioned fluoro lighting that say like you know some of those old factory buildings that that haven't had the the tubes changed for years Mm. and years or when you go to an emerging a developing um country you might find that they have the older style of fluoro lighting and it's got it's actually got a green tint to it it's got it's, it's slightly green or it could be slightly magenta again to the naked eye you don't notice it until you take a photo and see it the same with uh, tungsten lighting, which is that, you know, old school lighting, which is uh, you, you get in a, a lot of lamps in a lot of beautiful hotels. A lot of houses as well have this as a, it's a slightly warmer glow. And you, again, when you're in the room, you don't notice that it's a warmer light until maybe you take a photo and then you say, all right, this lighting is nice and warm. Mm. Um then you've got the more modern lighting styles like LED lighting, and this is made to be neutral. But you'll notice that if you've ever gone to buy light globes, you've always got a choice to buy warm white warm, or cool warm, white yeah. or neutral. What do you? What's your preference? Warm. Yeah, I always prefer warm as well. But you know, some some people like you might if you're say uh, um, in your art studio, Val, have you got warm or neutral in there? Good question. Did you ask for I neutral? No, we're getting the electrician in, so I must yeah. – this is probably so, a very timely. So you want to have uh, – when you're in a working space, you want to have neutral lighting because you want to actually see how the light – like you're mixing paint on a canvas, you want that light to be um, able to show the colour as it is in as close to daylight as possible. So like if you've got very warm lighting, that may impact on how you paint right? Yeah. And you also want to have like, there's nothing worse than when you've got those tiny little LED lights overhead. Uh, Some of them are like really strong. You you might be painting late and I know you love to do that, paint late at night, but it's going to be casting shadows. So it's also really hard. So you might want a more, uh, a flatter, more even lighting so that you can actually see what you're doing. So you can see that there's all these different, um, how the colour of light is going to influence you and what you do every day and same with how you shoot. So the other thing you want to know is like there are heaps and heaps and heaps of cheap, cheap lighting systems that are flooding the market. And so aside from 
the build quality of these lighting. So like, you know, the more expensive ones are built to withstand knocks. You can turn them on and off hundreds and thousands of times and you just know that they're going to work. The cheaper ones, the quality, the, the frame, what they're built out of, the materials that they use, are not so robust. They might not be water resistant. If you knock them, they probably won't work again. And that's what you get when you're buying cheaper products. So you've got to you know, take that into account when you're buying these things. The other thing that you want to know is like the color of the light is going to be different in a cheaper uh, light than it is in a more expensive one. So the cheaper lights have a, like cheaper globes and the cheaper globes are not going to be neutral, which you will find in the more expensive globes and the more mm. expensive lighting systems. And if you don't have a neutral um, lighting color, it's not gonna matter if you're just starting out and you're just doing you know, the occasional shot, Perfect, perfectly fine to learn on but as you get down the track you're going to find let's say you're doing uh, product high-end product photography the last thing you want is to try and be photographing something and getting uh, like magenta or green or whatever color cast or mm. if you're using four different lights from four different manufacturers with mm. four different color casts it might be problematic now, it's all stuff that you could um, eliminate in post-production, but why do you want to do that to yourself? So just mm. be aware of that, that, that the color is going to change the look and feel of your light. And um, But the other thing that you can do is you can use the color of light to help you tell the story. So, like, imagine, Val, if you were um, doing a photo and you wanted it to um, be uh depict like horror or isolation or loneliness yeah and, and you chose uh like early morning light that had like a blue tint to it like natural yeah. light that's yeah. sort of when you think of horror you know you notice it's like um as the person's walking down the 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 uh the alleyway and he's about to get stabbed that the, the light is always very cold it's got like a blue tinge to it it's always associated with horror yes, it's cold definitely. right so imagine if um they, they're trying to light that scene and instead the uh the you know the the, the lighting guy just pulls out like the bright warm <laughs> light <laughs> and warms it all up and it suddenly it looks like a beer ad it's not yeah. going to have that it suddenly yellow sun associated with happiness right so mm. on the flip side just say that the client says all right here's what i want i want warmth i want excitement i want to feel like i'm on vacation i want positive vibes you're not going to do that horror lighting are you you're not going to use that blue tint you're going to go no. to like a warmer glow so you can use the color to help tell the story. So it that has an, an impact as well. So does that all make sense? Definitely makes sense. All right. To help you understand this, because again, when you're starting out, you're just, it, it's overwhelming you're seeing light. And if you want to see the subtle shift in light, I recommend that you get something like a golf ball or, or a, like a, a tiny white ball, something like that. I think a golf ball is good because it's good to have one because you can also see how light and shadow plays on the surface. But get one and place it in, you know, in, in one corner of the room or one part of your house. And I want you to take a photo um, at like say every hour over a day and you can set your camera to do it automatically make sure you turn the autofocus off and um, 
make sure that you set your white balance manually to 5000 Kelvin so that it stays at that uh, same temperature all the time. And then what you'll get is like the early morning light the images are going to have a blue cast. And then as you go through the day, you go into the image is going to look more neutral in the middle of the day. And then towards the end of the day, when the sun's setting, you're going to get a, like a warmer look to your image and you're going to see, and, and you'll be surprised, you'll be amazed at, at the difference in color shifts through the day, just in daylight, how, how different it is. And so from there, you can you can you, you know that all right i know that morning light is always a lot colder and bluer so maybe when i'm shooting i might want to warm this up with a filter and make it look a bit warmer or maybe at night time if the only time you can create this horror genre shot that you wanted to do is in the evening when you know the light's going to be blue then you can change the the temperature by using a filter to change that but like knowing in advance is going to be really helpful to understanding how your photography will look by just understanding the color of light mm, cool yes okay i get it all right so next val how light travels all right mm. so light no matter what so you got light from daylight you've got light from flash You've got light from continuous lighting, an LED light, fluoro light. When it's uh, turned on, all light travels in a straight line, all okay. of it. And so when you understand this, it's going to help you to understand how you control and sculpt the light that you're working with. So little story, when okay. I went to uni and I was doing my teaching degree, because um, when I was in high school, you know, we it, it, it was a high school, but it was run like kind of like very strict. Like you had to be in class when they told you to and you got to go home when you oh. told, they told you to. It's oh, my to me. That was very strict, <laughs> right? So Because we're under 18 and, and we were, you know, you weren't allowed to leave the school, I did. You, you had oh, to go to all the classes, I didn't. But, you know, you had to behave right because there was ramifications but then like every other school I think so mm. but when we got to uni mm. no rules fell oh, no yeah. rules so it was mm. like I'm like you mean I could come if I want to they're like yeah you don't have to come but you should because mm. you want to pass right I'm like yeah but but hang on and so here's me trying to game the whole system mm. So as long as I hand in my uh, assignments and do the, you know, the thesis at the end and write all the reports, I don't actually have to go to all the classes. They're like, no. And I'm not going to get in trouble. They're like, no, you're not in high school anymore. So guess what I did for the first two years of uni? Didn't go to the classes? No. I went to across the road. There was a pub where we would play pool and I learnt to nail my pool game. And this is important because this is where I understood about direction of light by oh playing God. pool. Now, have you played pool before? No, but I did physics. Well, perfect, <laughs> Valerie. So you can understand. Now, now, because you've done physics, you can explain about how um, – 
the angle of uh, when yeah. something – so let's imagine you've got uh, – like everyone knows, I think, what a, a pool table looks like and everyone probably, uh, hopefully, has had a bash at having a go at playing pool, right? Mm-hmm. And you know that when you hit the ball – that it'll bounce off the edge of the pool table and then ricochet in another direction, right? Correct. But do you know, and you can explain this from a physics perspective because <laughs> I can't, um, that the angle that you the, the ball approaches the edge of the pool table will mm-hmm. be the same as the angle that it deflects, mm-hmm. right? And there's actually a formula, a physics formula. Do you know it? So it's vectors. <laughs> There you go, Val. Here you go. <laughs> go take, take the floor. Go for it. I don't remember the formula, but definitely that's how you calculate, you know, well, any moving object really and how it's going to react when it bumps into something else. It's all vectors in physics. Right. Okay. So, but, so my understanding from playing pool is that if I um, – angled my ball to hit the cushion at 45 degrees, it was going to deflect from that cushion at 45 degrees, right? Yeah. And there's no so in, way you – yeah. So, in fact, pool is the perfect example of yes. vectors. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Val. I thought I'd give it like a, a visual. So, so this is important to know and this is – I see a lot of photographers – um, getting this basic understanding um, incorrect. So you know that because light bounces at the same angle, you can use this to your advantage and know that like say if light's bouncing and you want to bounce more light into the shot, then you can angle your reflector at the same angle as the light's coming in. It's going to bounce back at that same angle. So I see a lot of people holding the reflector at the wrong angle. So just doing that experiment of trying to match the angle of the light with the angle of your reflector to fill back light is going to help you. All right, so that's yeah. um, a bit of physics there. Uh, the other thing that you want to know, <laughs> physics, there must be, <laughs> I know we've got a lot of um, um, really smart people, God knows why, that listen to this podcast, <laughs> like super smart, like you see in their email sig- signature that they're like, yeah, they, I work at NASA. And it's like they must be listening to this going, oh, my God. But so... <laughs> um, The other thing that you want to know is that because light um, moves in a straight line and it'll bounce off certain objects, the surface of that object is also going to impact the how the how the light bounces off. So, yes, um, if you've got if it'll it'll reflect off a like a solid object at the same angle that it hits it. So if you've got something nice and hard like a wall, it'll bounce back. But Mm -hmm. it's also influenced by the quality of the the wall that it's hitting. So let's say, Val, that you've got um, carpet walls in your, you know, shagadelic uh, den (laughs) that you've created, like, right, and you've decided to put carpet on the walls. If you were then, say, trying to do a portrait where you were leaning up against that wall and let's say the carpet was uh, white, white shag pile carpet, and you had your light close to your subject 
and you took a, a photo, the light rays are going to uh, bounce off the wall and hit the carpet and kind of then not not be able to bounce back because that soft um, shag pile is going to absorb a lot of the light, yes. right? It's not going to reflect as well. So the quality of the surface that you're trying to bounce off uh, is going to have an impact. But then let's say you got a bit groovier, Val, in your new okay. groovy den and you decided to... Put mirrors on the ceilings and the and the and the walls, right? Mirrors is like when the light hits that wall, it's going to bounce off the mirror, bounce off the ceiling, bounce off the side of the wall at almost the the exact amount of intensity yes. as the normal light would because it's a shiny, smooth surface. So knowing that Well you'd probably go if there were actual mirrors, you'd probably go blind. They'd just go, and there'd be lots of light going forever. So knowing this, knowing that the quality of light is going to impact how much light is bouncing around the room can make you um, think about how you set up your shots. So um, I discovered this uh, when I had uh, a, a smaller studio space that I was working with that the, the floor was timber and the I think it was about maybe four meters across or five meters across, and then the ceiling was quite low, walls and ceiling white. And I was right. trying to get a shot where I got some modeling in the shot, could not for the life of me get any modeling. Do you know why? Because white walls, white ceiling do the shot, light is just reflecting off the wall back into the room. And so basically what you've created is this kind of um, beautiful, soft environment. I think you so, need to explain to people what modelling is. So if I wanted to um, have a shot where I've got my, say I'm doing a portrait and I wanted to have, say, uh, some shadow on some of the face so that it was like more defined and my subject looked more 3D or I wanted to create split lighting or Rembrandt lighting where you've got like a brighter side of the face but you've got also some shadow, some fall mm. off. Mm -hmm. Doing that in a small white room with lights is going to be very difficult because I've got all this light bouncing around and filling back those shadows, right? Yeah. So knowing that, that it's because it's the, oh, my God, it's the white walls that are bouncing around. I had no idea. I was like one year in going, I don't understand why this. I want to go back and play pool. That was fun. <laughs> the good days. Knowing that it's, oh, my God, I'm white walls, no wonder I'm not going to get it. So what's the workaround? I could then hang blacks on my white walls so black cloth on the on one side of the room mm. suddenly creates negative fill so remember we talked about having the shag pile carpet is going to absorb the light having a black uh, felt or um, cloth uh, against one wall the white wall is now the light's going to try and bounce off the black hit the black and just go because it's got how they go yeah, because instead of going and bouncing off, which is how it would bounce off a mirror, off a mirror it's like ding, ding, ding. off a wall it's like doom, doom, doom. and off a, oh my God. Off, off a black, flat black, it's just going to go because it, it can't bounce back. It's, it, gets, it gets absorbed, right? And so it's a stopper. Can I just say that if they were actually mirrors, it would be making a far worse sound than that because one day I happened to be the person in charge of 
operating a follow spot, as in a spotlight to follow somebody on a stage. And can yeah. you imagine how strong that is? Because it has to travel from yeah. way up in the gods right down to the stage. And I thought it would be a bright idea to shine it into a mirror. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Not a good idea. It just went everywhere, right? Well, no, it blinded me. Yes, of course. <laughs> anyway, um, So using that, you, using that knowledge, suddenly your tiny studio where you could only get flat and even lighting opens up this whole new world of possibilities because mm. you, you can change, cut off one side and stop that light from bouncing and you can also apply this outside. So where you've mm. got you want to add more contrast to your lighting, use this, um, use this approach. You want to block out some of the light by using a black and it's called a cutter because it's not reflecting, it's cutting light, mm. right? So right. it's a negative feel. It's taking it away. Does that make sense? Yep, definitely. All right, so the other thing that you want to remember about when light is bouncing around is the colour of the surface that it's bouncing off is also going to influence the colour of light. So again, Val, if you took down the shag pile carpet and the mirrors from the wall and again you just decided to paint them bright red and then we tried to do the shoot again, what would mm -hmm. happen to the light? If you painted it bright red and you red. tried, well, a red would reflect into wherever it's reflecting into. Yeah, a exactly. So a red tinge. And um, we did a, a tutorial in the Philippines together about that, like um, we were getting green, a green tinge coming off the grass when we were trying to create garage lighting, right? So I just mm. moved you to a, a cleaner area. And this is um, something that people – of all levels get caught up with because you don't the naked eye doesn't see the the tint so what you'll see is you'll be in a park it'll be a bright day you know and you you, you position your family everything's lovely but, but but you've got green trees green grass and the and the sun the light is bouncing down hitting the grass and it's not reflecting a lot but enough to be bouncing back green light into your subject's skin tone. You particularly notice it if people have a white shirt. And again, most people don't notice this when they're starting out because you're not seeing the final subtleties of light. But I'm just saying it's something that you should notice and it's not until like I'll maybe show a before and after of a subject and I'll say like here's the before with the green colour cast and here's the after with the colour cast removed and it makes a huge difference. So it's something to be aware of. No matter what <coughs> surface is that you're around and the colour, the colour's going to reflect back into the subject because of the way that light travels and bounces around. It's like um, it's interesting that you should say that about the red reflection because mm. I don't know if you ever watched, even if you just watched the ads of CSI Miami or where it was that the tone of that was that the light the lighting in that was very as if it was sunset all the time or yep. or afternoon sun all the time and they obviously did that to make it distinct from the other CSIs and to give it its own specific look. But, well, it's Miami, it's a Miami look. So I'm sure that if they it's did Miami, CSI yeah. um, New York that that would I bet you that's got a cold blue a much colder look. look yes. Yeah. There so you go. the thing is though, even though you're doing that right, it, it it's very important to 
ensure that you check with the particular people that you are shooting because I'm currently watching a show called Riviera and it's got uh, Julia Stiles and Anthony LaPaglia, who I'm sure you shot before. Yes. And, um, and uh, it's shot in the French Riviera. And mm. it is a very specific, they've obviously gone for a very stylized, specific lighting, kind of, but not as harsh as CSI Miami, where it's this, this um, uh, kind of like afternoon sun kind of look all the time. Mm. But the thing is, even though it's extremely distinctive and it really suits the sets and the locations and and um, and the overall kind of opulent look that they're going for for the Riviera, it does nothing for Julia Stiles' skin. Ah. And I think my theory is when you're shooting it, because you don't necessarily see this in or, or they're adding some kind of filter in post-production or something because she's a beautiful woman. Like, yeah beautiful and it's not working out so well <laughs> well that's so, your agent who didn't step up and go no that's not going to work for us we'll need to uh reshoot that so that it's uh looks better well, on the skin tone i'll be interested to see whether season two they've corrected that or not mm. because it's not good yeah but th- th- that's great that you're even noticing that val it's uh fantastic and it's like the the more you start to notice these things the more you see it across the board and how much you know these things are used uh in in all, in all sorts of formats so but also what i'm ex- saying is if you're practicing on the bridesmaids make sure you and that looks great make sure you pr- you you look at the bride before you make the final decision <laughs> exactly so um if you want to uh, practice with the direction of light, then get your styrofoam head or a friend and go outside at any time of the day, like, you know, early morning, late afternoon when you've got the sun is at a lower angle in the sky. Also, we're in the southern hemisphere uh, winter at the moment, and so the sun doesn't actually get exactly up high overhead. I know this because... I can't sunbake on my deck at the moment, Val, because the sun doesn't hit it and I'm so annoyed. I miss the sun so much. So when you've got a lower angle of sun, um, obviously the angle that you've got to hold your reflector to, to mirror that angle to get light to bounce back up into your model is going to change. But it's just worth doing that exercise of even if you just go outside by yourself and and a, a Barbie doll or a, um, a superhero doll or your styrofoam head and just place it there so that it's backlit and go, all right, I'm going to now harness the power of the sun and mm. try and change and use the silver side because uh, for this experiment because the silver side is, is again going to bounce more light and that goes with the cut the the type of surface you know silver side of a reflector is shinier and um, almost like a mirror and it's going to reflect much more light than the white side of the reflector which is uh, you know is going to give you less intensity of light. So just not knowing that is going to change how you use your lighting. So if you want a softer fill, you're going to use the white side. And if you want more more intensity of the light, then you want to use the silver side. And also silver is going to give you a, a neutral um, light, a cooler looking light. And you've got the gold side, which is going to give you a warmer light. And some reflectors now also combine silver and gold to give you like a, 
something like a mix. So you've got the edge and the intensity of, of silver with the warmth of gold. Right. Does that cool. make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right, so you can go outside um, in bright sun and experiment that. All right, so now let's talk about the intensity of light, which is another important quality. So we know, and we'll talk about daylight because this you can then apply this to your studio flash or your continuous lighting, um, that uh, one law of photography that like you, we won't want to get our head around and it doesn't make sense when you first hear it is the smaller the light source, the harder the light. So we've got the sun, so so it's far away, uh, 93 million miles or like, yeah, a, a, approximately, not a guess. I had to look that up, Val. I don't know that stuff off the top of my head. But it's far away. So it's like when you look at the sun in the sky, it's tiny relative, you know, to, to us here. And when you've got no cloud cover, and the sun is at its furthest, which is like a midday sun directly above us, uh, you'll notice that if you just got blue sky, you've got this intensity of light. It's very, very hard. And the way that I know that the light is hard when you've got sunlight is I look at the shadows on the ground mm, and you can yeah. see the harder the light, the sharper the shadow. So if you've got like a really hard edge to your shadow, like you could tell like, you know, the exact outline of a person, it's, it's, it's hard. There's no, there's no double shadow. There's no softness to the edge of the shadow. Yeah. It's just like razor hard, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the hardest the light w will be, but let's have a little bit of a, uh, cloud cover or like mm. some countries where you've got like it might be blue sky but there's a lot of pollution yeah. in the air that'll put like a, a light filter over the sun and suddenly you'll look at your shadow and it's a bit softer it's got like a a, a softer edge to it all right mm. and then there might be a bit of um, cloud cover that comes in and you get different levels of cloud cover sometimes you get that cloud that's like quite thin so it obscures the sun Right, but you've still you can still see a shadow. It's not as hard, and it's a lot it's a lot more diffused, right? Yeah. And then you get very very thick cloud cover, like there's a, a thunderstorm happening, and you look down and you see zero shadow. Now this light yeah. is really flat and dull and heavy. It's kind of pea soupy. I call it kaka light because that's what it is. It's just kaka. It looks like shite. It's thick. You could almost cut it, and it's it's it's. Ugh. But you can do a lot of things with that light. That's like it's, I don't have a word to describe it, right? So knowing this, you can have a better understanding of working with flash and continuous light. So we've got this hard light source that's left undiffused gives us hard shadows and hard light. And with hard shadows and hard light, if you've got that, you're going to have a high degree of contrast. The harder the light, the higher the contrast. So that means that the, the distance between, you know, on your image, you're going to have very, very black blacks, very, very white whites, and mm. not a lot of um, scale in between. So not it doesn't go like you don't have every single detail perfectly seen. It's it, The contrast is compressed. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So... But then when you get that, that, that mid-level of cloud cover, like that thick cloud that comes over that you kind of still can almost make out your shadow on the ground, suddenly you're looking at your 
your images and you'll see that the contrast is completely reduced. So you've got like every tonal range from black to white and you can see everything in between. So if you're trying to say photograph someone with a very, very dark skin tone, wearing a white suit, white shirt, white tie, white shoes on a beach at midday in hard light, what you're going to find is like the, the the blacks in the image are going to all clog up. You're not going to have detail in your blacks. Your whites are going to blow out and you're going to have a lot of extremes in contrast. But that same person photographed as a little cloud goes over the sun and covers it. You still get the light, but the light is soft. It's diffused. All right. So then... If you know this about how light works in the um, in the big world, <laughs> right? Okay. Living on our planet, then you can apply these theories to lighting with artificial light. So whatever you put in front of your light is going to have an effect on the light. So you can soften your light a little bit, like a little bit of cloud cover or a little bit of atmosphere and spread the light nice and evenly by using an umbrella or you can control that light and, um, you know, really soften it by using a softbox that's got double diffusion, which is like having a thick band of cloud over over your sun. And then you get like nice, soft lighting. So it's like understanding the intensity of light um, is, is going to be beneficial. And the other thing that you know that is then when if we've got a solid object that the sun cannot pass through, like mm-hmm. an, uh, an awning or a, um, an eave or an overhang or a garage, Val, so when you've yeah. got the light directly above, we've created hard shade inside, but we've got all the light around um, the garage or the eave yeah. or the awning bouncing around beautiful soft light and um, you get a different quality of light so we lose all the we, we've still got the edge and the crispness of that hard light but we've we've softened it by by removing it from overhead so knowing that you know that it's like all right, if I want to create a a hard light and I want the light that's bouncing off the ground, reflecting into my model, then I can get a, um, not a, uh, I can either use a diffuser, which is the the inside of a five-in-one reflector has got like a a translucent diffuser in the middle and it allows light to pass through and it Mm -hmm. softens that light. So you can put that above your model if you've got midday sun or if you want to completely create shade and create that garage-like you know, look, you can get something like a solid bit of card that you can place above your model and you've suddenly created garage lighting anywhere, anywhere you want, mobile garage lighting. So that's just knowing and understanding how light works. So um, the other thing is that like you can work with hard light. You can work with it because you've just got to change the direction. Now, one of my favorite photographers, Herb Ritz, did this brilliantly. He worked outside. He deliberately shot between 11 and 2, which mm. was the time that most photographers avoid shooting. And he loved 
He loved that greediness and the hard look of the shadows. And it's just a matter of knowing where the, the sun is in the sky and getting your model to um, face that certain angle. And you can manipulate this light. And I love working with hard flash. I often work with grid spots, which is just trying to replicate that hardness of the sun. And then just by changing the direction of the grid and um, having it flat onto my model, you can create um, a really nice lighting. It's hard, it's got that edge, but it's also not creating unnecessary shadows, just if you know how to how to place the light, you know. Mm. And the other thing is like knowing that if you need something with a, a great tonal range and you want to see the detail and you don't want to have lots of shadows, then you want to have uh, soft, soft lighting. And the way to create soft lighting artificially is to place something in front of the light like the cloud that's going to diffuse it or you want to wait for an overcast day. But Mother Nature doesn't always behave. You can't just order an overcast day or a sunny day and hope to get it. Like you know, mm. So you need to know how you can manufacture your own so that you get those consistent results. So just being aware of that, that's the cloud cover. Now, if there's one, one takeaway from this entire podcast episode, Val, that I want you to remember for all the portrait photographers new and uh, those that have been doing it for a few years, when you're outside in overcast light, and most people make this mistake, I see it all the time, People don't look for the direction of the light because you you imagine that the light's just on and there's light everywhere, but even outside, the light has a direction. And so one thing, if you're shooting portraits and it's that thick overcast light and you want to get beautiful, beautiful uh, portraits, always have the sun at your back. Now, if you can't see it because it's under a bank of um, clouds, Look for it. It's 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 not hard to find. Even if it's very um, overcast, you can work out where the direction of light. You know, I'm sure there's there's apps and knowing science, you'll be able to find it. I, my way is to just look up in the sky and go, oh yeah, that hurts there. That's burning my retina a bit more than over there. That's the technique that I use. It's a manual technique. You know, I'm sure there's an automatic <laughs> way you can do it just by knowing stuff. But this way works for me. There's the light. I'm going to position it to my back and now Mm. I've got this beautiful directional light um, flooding my model and it makes a huge difference. Most people miss this completely Mm. and they place the light that often they're shooting backlit and they don't even realise it because it's overcast. It's obvious when it's sunlight, not so obvious when you're shooting overcast. So that's one Mm. thing. If you can remember that one thing, it's going to make a huge difference to uh, how your images look. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, wow, cool. Finally, one more, Val, directional light, all right, which I just explained. So looking for that direction is so important and and knowing that and um, the the, the light that you want to achieve. And um, in the AMA last week, I showed the Goldies an image where I had like nothing but I was in a room uh, and it was like they were filming in the next studio. They gave us the, the uh, an empty studio to do um, production shots in. And I had a set with lights set up, but I also had this empty room and I'm looking around going, this light, even though to my, at first look, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is just caca. There's like one green fluorescent light overhead, right? Mm. And I'm like, but 
if I put someone under it, I'm like, this actually looks all right. And it's kind of like in the right position. It's almost Rembrandt-y. And uh, I actually managed to get beautiful portraits using this Kaka light source, the fluoro light, and I converted them to uh, black and white and uh, it worked beautifully. So, so direction of light is so important. And when you know how to work with the light, you can work with hard sunlight outside, but just by changing, you can't change the direction of the sunlight, but you can change the direction of your model in relation to that light. So tilting the face up to the light um, and making keeping the light so that it's flat on is going to give you beautiful portraits. If you're trying to light landscapes, most people make either light their beginners especially will light their landscapes backlit to get the sunset or frontlit where the entire uh, landscape is lit by the sun and you get a flat image. But if you turn and shoot so that the sun is to your right or left, right, you're going to have the light raking across you know, your landscape and it's going to give you a, a 3D look to your images. Same for your portraits. If you want to add detail and interest to your portraits and more character, then you want to have the direction of light coming from the side rather than directly from the front, which is uh, a more flattering way to light because it fills everything in, but you can control that. So you really want to think about what direction is my light going to be in. So when you've got light directly overhead, do you need to cover it up, soften it, or do you want to work with it? So there's all these things that you can, um, that you need to be paying attention or just even just have in there as a thought, just be aware of it and, and experiment because you can take um, kaka, poopy, ugly lighting and turn it into whatever you want just by focusing and understanding how uh, direction of light comes into play. So there you go, Val. So there's uh, hopefully that is, um, should help people understand, like, you know, I did a brain dump of lighting. I love it. I, that's fantastic <laughs> to avoid caca, poopy, the, yucky and then the te- my technical terms <sighs> and uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry about my uh, interpretation of physics and all the science that I just completely butchered there. But hopefully that makes sense for a lot of you. Makes complete sense, and <laughs> I can also hear that Tiger. Uh, in the background is uh, wanting his it's dinner, his, I assume. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, do you know what time it is? There's <laughs> nothing more important than this 19-year-old who needs to be fed, which is like 100 in normal years, isn't it? Yeah, and to be clear, Tiger is um, genus cat <laughs> for any new listeners. All right, fantastic. So five qualities of light every photographer photographer must know really really useful stuff um and i hope that you all got a lot out of it so what's happening gina in the coming week for you all right so i'll be editing a ton this week uh working on new tutorials and also while i do that uh i'm binge watching sort of bad 90s movies but bad so bad they're great uh and just my happiness and I think I was saying to you, the next step is I'm going to start reading comics just as a form of escape. But uh, whatever makes you happy in these times, I guess, I just enjoy it. What about you? What are you doing? You're going to venture out again, Val, twice in two Ooh. weeks? <laughs> I might, actually. I think I've got the taste for it now. 
Woohoo! <laughs> well, I don't know, actually. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> All right. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at Gina Militia. It's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A at GinaMilitia.com or I'm Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then join me in the gold community. You can find that at GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You will find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.